prophecy was this, Isaiah 9, 6. I'm sure you guys have heard it before. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. By the way, just pausing right here, it's not the emphasis. One day, the, he's going to be the government, and that's going to be a great day. And he will be called, he will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Prince here, when it talks about a prince, and recently we've just come across this in Daniel talking about Michael, the archangel, being the prince uh, over, uh, over the people of Israel. A prince is one who has authority. Uh, prince is Ezra. There you go. Ready? Prince is one who has authority. There you go. Okay. Uh, a prince is one who has authority. Um, so it's talking about this one who's going to come, uh, is going to have a particular authority. And, and this authority that he's going to have is he has the authority to bring peace into the world. The Hebrew word, you guys probably have heard it before, shalom, right? Uh, and you'll often hear, pray for the peace of Israel, for the shalom of, of Israel. And that word peace there, uh, it has several different meanings. Uh, but for this study here this morning, uh, we want, really want to focus on one aspect of it, and it means to be complete. Peace means to be complete, or shalom means to be complete. If, if the Hebrew people, if the Jewish people today are using it, basically they're saying, may your day be everything that it should be, right? Let it be a great day, fulfillment for you, right? There's not going to be anything lacking there. And when we talk about that word complete, the idea is to restore what God has originally created or his intentions for his creation. So when we see that word, um, we see that word peace there, it means to restore what God has originally, uh, originally intended or to complete it. That is why um, Jesus in, in the New Testament, he would say, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Anybody in here feel perfect? And the disciples be like, whoa, that's uh, perfect like God. If you look up that word perfect, guess what the definition will be? Complete. So Jesus is saying, be complete as your heavenly father is complete, or be whole like your heavenly father. So when we're talking about the idea of peace, it is restoring back to what God has originally intended for his creation. Now, Eden, when, when we pop up into the Garden of Eden there at the beginning Chapters 1, 2, and 3, creation and Eden, uh, there where Adam and Eve were living. Uh, uh, we see Eden, and it was complete. It had everything that man and woman, that Adam and, need, Adam and Eve ever needed. They had uh, the animals there, additional companionship. They had the food that was all there. God was coming, and they could walk with God together in the garden. He had his presence, and they were there, and they mixed together. There was nothing lacking in the Garden of Israel or the Garden of Eden. Um, so when we talk about that, that Eden was complete, right? Or Eden was shalom, right? It was perfect. It was complete exactly everything God had intended it to be. And by the way, whenever God, and do your deep guttural uh, voice here when you use this, when God created everything, he saw that it was good, good, right? Go for it. Let me hear it. One, two, three. Good. That's right. But rebellion robbed man's peace. Rebellion robbed man's peace. 
when Adam and Eve sinned, Eve was deceived. She's being charged with being deceived. Adam is charged with actually sinning against God. He wasn't tricked. He did it willingly. And that's what scripture tells us is that, he, that Adam takes on the responsibility for that sin. He also was the head, right? He also had that responsibility to, to lead Eve there in the garden. But rebellion robbed man's peace. And I want to just give you uh, four ways here that, uh, and this is not an extensive, exhausted list here, but uh, man's peace was robbed um, between man and God. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, Do you remember they realized that they were naked? God comes walking. They heard God walking through the garden. Every other time they'd run over and walk beside God and talk with him. But that rebellion, it robbed their peace between them and God. And so what did they do when they heard God walking in the garden? But they hid. But they hid. You ever notice that when you're a person who's not walking in peace, you have a tendency to to hide from God? not to be around the presence, other people, and so forth. We have a tendency to hide. The point is this. Their relationship with God was now incomplete. They used to have a complete relationship with him. Everything was perfect. Everything was shalom, right? But now their relationship with him is incomplete. Here's a second area that um, rebellion has robbed peace from mankind between Adam and his wife. Adam and his wife. Peace was now removed from between the two of those. It said that Eve, your desire will be for your husband, right? And he will rule over you. He's going to have a a new relationship was now established after they had sinned. And by the way, uh, take note of this. To think about peace being robbed from a couple, think about it in terms of when, when God came and said, Adam, what have you done? Adam threw his wife under the bus in front of God and said, she made me do it, right? Do you think that's going to rob peace from a marriage? That's going to, okay, it's supposed to be a little on the, you guys just lighten up a little bit, okay? It's Christmas Eve, here we go. Um, that's that's going to bring a little difficulty, but think about it, it makes sense. In our marriage relationships today, the struggles, and let me say, every marriage relationship struggles in areas. It's all because of a lack of completeness and wholeness. And oftentimes those relationships struggles because we're trying to find completeness in the other person. What was it from the 1990s feel, film? Was it Jerry Maguire, You Complete Me? Is that what it was from? I, I, that just, I shouldn't even said it, it just popped around. But you complete me, right? And that's what humanity's looking for. They're looking for a person to complete them. And then what do they find out two weeks after they've been with them? I don't want you filling in my blanks, right, kind of a deal. That's not what I signed up for. So that explains a lot, doesn't it, about not only our marriage relationships, but our personal relationships that we have with other people. We'll get to that here in a second. Peace was also robbed between man and the ground. Do you remember that now there was a curse upon Adam when he worked the ground? It was going to be with great toil. There was going to be great difficulty. Thorns are going to come up. Probably rocks started. He's like, what's this hard thing in the ground? There's difficulty there, even for women in childbearing. Great difficulty. It's not a peaceful thing when a, ba- when a, when a baby is birthed today, is it? It's, on, it's, it's chaos, isn't it? Fourth thing is this. Peace was robbed between man and others. And that's what happens when we get out of Genesis chapter 3. What's the next chapter? Genesis chapter 
4. And what's, who's the emphasis of Genesis chapter 4? Cain and Abel. Two brothers. We don't, know, we don't know if Abel was warring against Cain, but we know that Cain came up upon his brother, didn't he? And he killed him. Was there an absence of peace there in that relationship? Was something missing between them that one became so outraged at the other that he was willing to kill him? It was the absence of peace. They are now incomplete. Guys, all the, all the relationships that we have, all the things that this world is trying to do, we need to understand it's incomplete. Is your government incomplete? Yeah. Is your pastor incomplete? Yeah. Your friends incomplete? Everybody around us is incomplete, but who is complete? Yeah, and he's our what? He's our peace, right? The absence of peace in the world comes from incompleteness. Guys, don't be so overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. It's going to be like this, and it'll continue to be like this. And by the way, it's always been like this. I mean, we're only in the fourth chapter of the Bible before we, we see murder pop up, right? So it's been around, all of this. We get through the, go through Genesis, we see people lying, cheating, stealing, deceiving. You see all of that going on. You have messed up relationships going on. Lots of crazy things are going on. But guys, understand and have eyes to see it's because the world is incomplete. There can be no peace in the world or in relationships between men until peace is restored into the heart of men. Now, what we often try to do in our world is we try to legislate peace. What that means is we try to make laws that's going to bring peace, right? By the way, one of the, one of the reasons why Israel was caught so off guard by that attack was because um, there had been a, a broker deal of peace between Israel and those people that were next door to him there. And another country came in and said, you know what, it would help out those people. You would really go a long way to show that you, you want to live side by side. If you allowed them to come into your city and have jobs and start working, they could take money onto the other side of the wall. They could feed their families, buy a house and all of that. You just need to give a little bit to make peace. And through all those people that were coming through on a daily basis, crum, coming over from that area into Israel, they were, they were gathering intel little by little by little, and that's why they were so effective and all that. And Israel thought, you know what? Hey, things seem to be, you know, people are coming over here, they're working, kind of a deal. Can you ever broker a peace deal that will last? You can't. You can't with humans, because where does peace have to be dealt with? Has to be dealt with in the heart, right? Now, those of you who've been, well, we've all been studying, whether it be in Daniel or in Thessalonians, we've been talking about the Antichrist. The great deception of the Antichrist, that he's going to come in at the beginning of that seven-year period, and what kind of a deal is he going to broker? A peace treaty, right? Between, between the Jews, between um, uh, the Muslims. Um, they're going to be able to rebuild their temple. It's going to rebuild it, but how long is that going to last? About three and a half years, about as long as that's going to last. Guys, the issue is the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, right? And this is where you and I need to have this dealt with in our, in our hearts. And I would even say this, every single one of us in this room or watching online right now, there's an area of our life that we are not experiencing God's peace, and that is what he is wanting you to take a step forward to in today. 
Isaiah 48, 22 tells us this. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. A person apart from the Lord will never, ever have peace. They'll try to buy it. They'll try to search it out and attain it and do it. And they'll try to work themselves to death. They can never have peace. The only way you can have peace is to be connected with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of, the Prince of Peace. Until we're serious or a person is serious about their sin that separates from, the God, from God, they will have no peace in their life. Think about the people you know, right? It's always easier to think about somebody else than yourself, right? And what people's issues are is the absence of peace. And who's the only person that they can receive that peace from? They can only receive it through Jesus, right? He is the prince of peace. He is the only one who can heal the heart. We can do a lot of things to try to, to, try to manage things that are going on, but the only answer out there is Jesus. The way to peace, by the way, was unknown. Going up through Genesis and all of that, the way to peace was unknown until the prophet Isaiah came along and proclaimed that the Messiah would bring peace into the world. All of that time up to there, they're kind of like, you know, there's things in, the, in Scripture that would say, uh, you know, uh, you'll go down into death in peace, right, with your forefathers. Um, and that means it's just completed. It's just finished kind of a deal. But guys, there was no way that nobody had any plan or idea of how peace was ever going to come to this world, right? Look at the days of Noah, right? What happens right before the flood? Every thought and inclination of man's heart was what? continually evil or wicked, right? There's no peace for the wicked. That's what scripture just told us. But the prophet Isaiah comes on the scene and, uh, and, he, makes, and he, he, makes that, he, he makes that he makes that point that the Messiah, there would be one who'd be able to bring peace into the world. You see, right now, our society, we're looking out into our society, into the world, and Every single person has a different idea about what needs to happen in order to right all of the wrong and difficulties and brokenness that's in our world today. And we all have these physical law ideas. If we we just do this, right, everything would be better. Do we have any ability whatsoever to change this world? And the answer is very little on the scale that we would like for it to, to be seen. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, We have emphasis on our sphere of influence and maybe even outside of that a little bit. But that's the prophecy. The prophecy comes along and says a child will be born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, his responsibility one day. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and he will be the one who has been chosen and given the authority to bring peace into the world. That's section one, the prophecy. Section two, the proclamation. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. These are the angels that are out there proclaiming this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men is how most of our translations say it. Let me give you, I think, and it's a much more accurate translation. And it comes from the NIV and other translations. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And what that is saying is this, 
The way to peace is now, is now accomplished. It has now come. Mankind can be connected to God and have what? Peace. God's favor will rest upon those whom desire to have that relationship with the Lord. Now, this word for peace in the New Testament, as we get into the Greek word here, it's Irene. Actually, it starts with an E and then it's Irene, but it's Irene. You guys know it because we have the name what? Irene, right? She did, by the way. She was the Roman goddess of, take a wild guess, peace, right? Now, this is talking about uh, a number of things, the absence of war, uh, peace between individuals, the soul is assured of salvation, and that's more of what we're going to focus on. The soul's assurance of salvation brings somebody peace in their life. And also, by you note-takers on the front row, confidence that God saves me. And that's what this piece is in the New Testament. This Irene is, is it's confidence that God saves me. I can now have peace. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the, the priests going day after day after day doing their sacrifices or the worshiper going day after day, uh, week after week, month after month, year after year, giving the sacrifice at the temple, it never brought them to a place of peace because they never, they never knew if they were completely clear with God. They could go do all the necessary sacrifices, but then they walk away from that and they could say, man, if I died right now, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. There's a lot of people, by the way, that are in churches today that walk exactly like that. They may come on a Sunday morning. They walk away with full assurance of God's salvation. They walk out the door and they get into a discussion with somebody. and They're like, but I don't, I don't know. I, I might not go to, to heaven today. I might be lost. That's no peace, is it? There's no peace. That's not peace. There's no uh, eternal assurance of what's going on. It says this, by the way, on whom his favor rests. And what that phrase means, it means peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Or the people that God's favor or his face is shining upon, they have peace in their life because they know that the relationship with God is not based on their works, but based upon their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, bringing them into that relationship. That phrase there of favor rests or goodwill to men, it means that this is all God's kindness that is being extended that this peace that is being brought to mankind, it's not mankind's doing in any way, but it's God out of his love and his kindness, his benevolence, his generosity to extend peace to mankind. And by the way, who, how many people can have, have access to that peace? Whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, which is everlasting peace, right? The angels are proclaiming it's God's gift to man to save them by restoring peace. This is God's act of love. I, I find it interesting because this, is, this has really helped me a lot as I've been retuning my, uh, my heart towards um, uh, certain celebrations that we have um, in, our, in our culture and in the world and so forth. And to me, when I think about the Prince of Peace, you know, really what, what this season should be about, because oftentimes it's centered around gifts, right? This, this, this season is centered around, you know, uh, gifting. Um, but it's, it's God giving us his gift of peace, and the way that that's going to happen is through Jesus, right? So this isn't so much about us giving gifts to somebody else. 
or somebody else giving gifts to us. But this is what this is about, or at least what the Prince of Peace and what, uh, what the birth of the Messiah is relating to us is that this is about God giving us his very best gift that he possibly could. And then our response is what out of receiving that gift? By the way, by receiving God's gift and uh, a person can have God's peace restored or brought back into their life. God is extending his gift of peace to every single person in this world. And when they accept that, if they accept that, they are now accepting peace back into, their, back into their life. And what do we say going back into the Old Testament use of shalom? What was that definition? Complete. And what that means is that when we have that relationship with God, we're now complete in him, right? He now makes us, he sees us as absolute perfection. We still have some difficulties going on, but God sees us as complete. And what happens is God gives us then his Holy Spirit. You might say, you might even say it like this, the completeness of God in you produces love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. The peace that God brings to your life produces love for one another, right? Produces joy in any type of trial or circumstances. Patience in whatever the difficulty is. Kindness when you don't, when you typically would not be kind, right? But on down the list there, when a person now has that complete relationship with God, these things will begin to overflow out of their life onto those that are around them. But you have to note this. Peace cannot happen by our own ability. Peace only happens in our lives, in our relationships, in our families, in our work scenarios, in our finances, in our church fellowships. It only happens by accepting the gift of peace from God. You cannot accomplish. I cannot cannot accomplish peace in my life. As you're sitting here this morning, page two, by the way. As you're sitting here this morning, are there people that's popping up to mind that maybe you're thinking, you know what they're missing is? They're missing peace. That's why they're going from person to person to person. Or that's why they're going from drug to drug to drug or alcohol, 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 or addiction, addiction, addiction. They're going to all of those things because they have the absence of what? Peace. And here God is. It's what we're celebrating. God takes the prince of peace, the one who has authority to bring peace, not just to the world, but also into every single person's life, and he places it right before them, like how we like to think of the baby Jesus in the manger scene in front of Mary and Joseph. And he's taking that peace, and he's holding out that child right before all of humanity and saying, this is for you. This isn't Mary and Joseph's. They're just the avenue by which I'm bringing the Messiah here. But this is for you. And that relationship with him does bring peace. Section three, the plan of peace. Pretty simple. There's three things here. And this is not an exhaustive list, but I think that you could, you could add or even subtract if you felt that you needed to. Three things are being accomplished, and we see this in the book of Romans. By the way, if you didn't know, Romans is how to have a right relationship with God, how to have a right relationship with yourself, and how to have a right relationship with others. That's what the whole book of of Romans is about. So guess what the plan of peace is? Front row, get ready. Restore peace between man and 
God. Second thing is this, to restore peace in the person. And thirdly, restore peace between man and others. These are the three things that God is working on. And I want you guys to take note of the order of which these are listed out here. What first has to happen before anything else is restorative peace between us and God, between a man or a woman and God. And we try to circumvent this sometimes, don't we? We may say, well, I'm not really, have, not really walking with the Lord real close right now. I mean, I kind of do some religious stuff. But man, my marriage or my friendship or my finances or whatever it me that's out of control, my coworkers, right? And everything's that. But I'm going to go try to fix all of that. Have you guys figured out yet? It doesn't take very long in life to figure it out, but we still try it for way too long that we can't fix anybody. Have you figured out you can't change somebody's heart? You give them everything in the world and you cannot change their heart. There's only one who can do that. First thing that needs to be restored in our lives and restored in continual maintenance. This idea of, you know, I prayed a prayer, got saved, and, you know, God can do as he wishes from there. Guys, this is a, this is a walking relationship. It's not like the guy who says, you know, hey, I told you I loved you at the altar. If anything changes, I'll let you know. A lot of people do that in their relationship with God, and they think that that's fitting and acceptable. I wouldn't bet my eternity on that being fitting and acceptable. So restorative peace between man and God, and then restore peace in the person. Once a man or a woman is in a right relationship with God, I'm talking about salvation, yes, but now walking into that sanctification where I'm being changed, my heart is being changed from what I used to always feel was right into what God has declared what is righteous what is holy and what is good. And God will begin to heal the hurt on the inner part of the man, the heart of the individual. And then and only then can we actually have right relationships with other people. You probably figured this out. You're all broken up inside and you're trying to help somebody else get their life together or trying to fix your relationship. How's that worked out for you in the past? It hasn't, has it? Because there's something supernatural that happens when you are walking and flourishing with the Lord. There's something spiritually supernatural that happens in your relationships with other whenever you are having a full-fledged relationship with the Heavenly Father. That means that what's coming out of your mouth is no longer you. It's no longer Counselor Steve. But now it's the Counselor of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, and I will give you another, the counselor, the advocate, the one who come alongside you. He'll remind you of everything that I've spoken to you. He will empower you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power to be my witness, your relationships. So I've already said it, but note the order. That relationship with God must first be restored in a person's life before they can ever be successful in and um, in, in of themselves 
and then working outwards into relationships with others. Section four, what's the path or the path of peace? You guys are very familiar with this. It's always worth going it, over it again and again and again. Paul is known, we, we often call him the Siamese twins of the New Testament. And Paul, when uh, Paul uses it, Peter's going to use it. The writers of the New Testament, they're, they're going to use this phrase. Paul, we've seen in all of his letters, and he starts out with, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every so often in, in one of those introductions, a mercy will be thrown into there. But typically, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, what is God trying to accomplish in this world? Peace. He sent the one who is the peace giver, right? The one who has the authority to bring peace into the world. And he will do that one day. Grace, by the way, always comes. You front row students there. Grace always comes before peace. Because you can never have the peace of God unless you first have the the grace of God. By the way, grace is a, is a what? It's a gift. Do we deserve it? No. Nope. You, you, nor can you earn the gift. You can't work for it. So this peace that comes into the lives of mankind, it simply comes by receiving the gift, right? That gift starts with, well, that Christmas that, that we celebrate, the Christ Mass, the coming of our Lord and Savior, and also the Prince who will be called the Prince of Peace. And this gift of peace, by the way, it what makes the, it's what makes the incomplete man complete. As I've been chewing on this the last couple days and kind of rewriting and trying to just keep it simple and, and so forth, it's, it's helped me to understand my life and the areas where I need that uh, increased peace or to a settledness and a completeness and just let the Lord have things. But it explained a whole lot to me about, well, my frustrating relationships with other people. You, you know, the funny thing is when you have frustrating relationship with other people, it's always, the issues are always on their end, isn't it? Laugh a little bit. It's Christmas Eve. How about that, huh? It's, it's typically just on their end. You know what I don't see in Scripture? I never see Jesus getting offhandedly frustrated with somebody. Just listen to me kind of, kind of a deal. He was always speaking truth in love, right? He's always patient. Now, he'd go in there. He'd clean house when he, when he needed to clean house but he never did it in the type of anger that we would use. He did it in righteous and holy anger, standing up for his heavenly father. You cannot have peace with God until you accept the gifts that he's holding out to you. And that gift is Jesus. Jesus is known as the Christ. The Christ in the New Testament or the Christos or in the Old Testament, the Messiah or the Mashiach. And it just means an anointed one, a chosen one. And that Messiah would be the one whom God chooses to bring peace to the world. By the way, what has Israel never had? <laughs> it's never, ever had peace. Will it? You know what's great about this? It, this is such a fitting time of year, such a fitting message. And 
Um, this has been on, kind of been on my heart for probably about four, five, six weeks. Um, because as we've been going through Daniel, we've talked about the end times, we've talked about the thousand-year reign of Christ. Do you know what the thousand-year reign of Christ is? The government is now upon him. He is the government, right? And what he will bring to the world is what? He will bring peace into the world. Peace between man and man, man and animal even, right? Isn't that part of the curse that's there? Man and animal will have a peace relationship. I believe peace with the ground will be restored. I think we'll be able to plant one tomato plant and have, you know, like 5,000 tomatoes come off of it, hopefully 24-7, right? We'll have to worry about planting 30, understanding that, you know, 12, 15 of them are going to get wiped out by bugs and other six are going to get wiped out by animals and so forth. And well, if we plant 30, we'll get three. But it's going to bring peace, peace to the nations, guys. Everybody's going, what we've been learning in Isaiah is that the world is going to be doing everything it can to get to, to, get to the area of Israel to worship Jesus. And the people of other nations will grab a hold of, of a Jewish person and say, take us, take us, take us, take us. And along the way, teach us some Hebrew so we know what's going on whenever we get there. It's just so cool to think about that he's going to restore all of that one day. But here's what he wants to do until that time comes. He wants you and I to be at complete peace in our lives. Meaning we're not swayed. We don't get, we're not worried about what's going on in the world. Remember how I said it earlier? Has it always been chaos? Guys, we did not live through the world wars. What we have going on today is nothing compared to what the world war. I'm not diminishing anything that we've had in the last 20, 30 years. It was nothing compared to what, to what the world experienced with those world wars. There will be another one, by the way, that's going to happen. It's important for us to note, for an individual to note, the peace that God desires for them to have, it only comes by allowing God to pay your sin debt. We have sin. And what do we always say, Liam, about sin? Sin does what between us and God? Sin separates us from God. And that's what we saw happen there in in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were separated from God. The only way a person can have peace is to understand that their sin, that they're going to stand before God one day, and they're going to be found guilty if they have sin on their ledger. But if they're willing to allow God to clean up their ledger, to pay the penalty, he's not just erasing it, he's paying the penalty of our, of our sin that will restore peace between us and our creator. And then it's making us complete in him. By the way, let me just give this out one more time. The way that you see yourself and the way that God sees you is often in two different lights. When your heavenly father, when your creator looks down upon you, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and his payment for your sin, he sees you as complete. He looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. And he sees you as absolute perfection. Isn't that a beautiful thing? But as we sit in this room and you're looking at the people around you, you're like, well, they got a long ways to go. There's always room for improvement. We should never say, well, I'm just still a sinful person, right? Kind of a deal. 
what should we should understand is this. We've been saved by grace. It's not a license to continue on in the old life, but now it's the permission to move forward into something, into a life that you've never experienced before. There's nothing greater in life than walking in peace. By the way, peace could also kind of turn into worry, could turn into stress. What does stress do to the human body? What's the big lump sum thing? What does stress do to the body? It, it kills it. Stress kills. Did you guys know that? You guys already knew that, right? Stress kills. But peace brings life. It brings a settledness. Acknowledge your sin before God. If you've never entered into this relationship, if you don't have this peace with him, go ahead and start looking through what's going on here. We gave those that plan of peace and say, oh, am I trying to skip some things here? Have I just bypassed some things? Have I given excuses because of my personality types and, and just how I operate? Do you want to have that full relationship of peace with God? And maybe you say, I do. I believe that if I were to die today or if, if the rapture came today, I would be in the presence of God. That's great. Let me ask you this. Are you at peace with yourself? And that's the root of all of it, isn't it? You know that that is the, that is the, that is the center point of counseling is to getting people to deal with themselves and what's going on inside. Doesn't matter what's happening outside of them, but it's all centered focus. It's all, you, gotta, you have to be right with yourself before you can be right with others. But before you can be right with yourself, you first have to be right with God. Right with God, then I can find peace inside where people aren't controlling my life. My life's being controlled by my heavenly father as I follow him in this world. And then it's pouring out. Acknowledging your sin before God, surrendering your old life to him and place your trust in him to bring you true eternal peace. The plan of salvation is simple, guys. It is a confession of sin before God. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't think I have a relationship with God. Can you acknowledge, can you admit that you have sin in your life? And do you understand that what Scripture says is that sin does what? Separate you. And with that separated life, what you have to do, what we have to do is be willing to lay down that separated life and leave it back here so that new life that we have can come and be in fulfillment with him or shalom or peace and find that completeness. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night and have peace. Lindsay, do you have anything on the back side of this? Okay. So as you walk the next 24 hours, and you guys have already been in the thick of it, this week's already been crazy, hasn't it? I want you to walk with the understanding of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Maybe set aside the, the manger scene. It's not a bad thing. But set aside and understand what he is trying to do, what God has accomplished in this world when he sent his son into this world because God's plan is to restore what? Peace. 
and he wants to restore it in your life. And if you don't have the peace, go ahead and get with God and let there be peace. Say, God, I don't have peace inside. And tell, be honest with him. He already knows, doesn't he? Now he just needs a confession. Say, God, I need the peace that you are offering. And then you will be amazed at the impact that you'll have on the frustrating family members. Not that anybody, I heard that over at Seminole, they have some family members that are frustrating. But guys, can you imagine being able to walk through the next 24, 48? Some of you guys have events out the next week, right? And do you know that this is, sadly enough, this is just kind of off the cuff here. I was driving down the road thinking how sad it is that for most people, this is the most frustrating and difficult and hardest time of the year. And we say it's all about Jesus. I wonder why the world has, has just really kind of pushed him to the side because, well, if everything goes chaotic in many families and it's all about Jesus and we've got the angel on the tree, they start connecting frustration, difficulty, anxiety, worry with Jesus. And then they're like, well, I don't really want the Jesus, but I'll still take the celebration maybe a little bit. You guys know anybody that's hiding from family events this year? I know a couple. Okay, let me say it like this. Is there anybody that you know who'd like to hide from some family events this year? Right? It just should not be. I pray for myself. I pray for you guys. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Scripture tells us, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Just be blessed. Enjoy this time that you have. Enjoy your Lord and Savior. Enjoy your family. This may be the last time that you see some of them. Just enjoy and just, even if there's somebody that rubs you wrong, just give them a hug. Just love on them. Have peace in the Lord with it because you know what? You know where you're going. Now it's important that you might just want them there to be there as well. And watch and see what the love of God in you will do to those that are around you. Father, we thank you. Let's stand.